Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Grim and Bloody podcast. We're happy that you uh, tuned in. And um, before we begin, we have some exciting news uh, to share. It's the Grim and Bloody Theater. Uh, any of you have uh, visited our YouTube channel, we have uh, screenings which we bring a filmmaker on. Uh, we screen their film, we ask them questions, and um, we get some back and forth going on and uh, kind of do deep dives into the film, which is uh, very interesting. We have a lot of fun with it. And um, in April, we're going to be taking it to the next level, and we're going to be doing a, a little mini screening marathon live on YouTube. Um, the information is going out uh, today. I think uh, this episode will probably air on the 21st. Uh, so by then, you might be seeing it on your your uh, your horror aggregates uh, like Horror News Net and Daily Dead. Um, but we are going to be holding an event on our Grim and Bloody Theater channel in which we screen um, somewhere between four and six. We haven't come up with a uh, solid number, keeping it fluid. Uh, but it'll be a number of horror shorts in which we sit down and uh, watch it along with everybody uh, and um, talk about you know, what our experiences are with it. And um, during the, the broadcast, we're gonna be bringing on a few uh, guest filmmakers from the shorts who uh, are gonna stop by and uh, you know answer our questions as well as possibly uh, from the audience. So um, I'm excited to put it together. Um, it, it's, this is definitely uh, born from our efforts on the, uh, the theater channel in which we've already brought on uh, filmmakers before. And um, it all started from, if anyone has, uh, remember the old days where you can watch a, a one night screening at a, uh, a little theater. And after the uh, movie, you know, the filmmakers would uh, walk on stage. Um, so this basically started from that. Uh, we're just kind of uh, making it a little bit more live and uh, fluid. So uh, with me tonight is El Omega. Thank you for coming on as well oh, yeah, as Joe Flynn. And uh, what do you guys think about, you know, doing our uh, our screening, uh, which is usually uh, recorded and then edited and then music added on. What do you guys think about doing it live? I'm up for doing it live. Of course, I'm oh, not doing the no. technological parts, so there. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll worry about all that stuff. That's right. Don't, don't look at me, man. As I've always said, I'm not the most technically logical person so if I hit the wrong button and we lose control and it gets all funky, uh, don't blame me, okay? Well, no, I'll handle it. You excited. guys just sit back. You guys get to watch some, some horror movies and uh, talk with the filmmaker. So it's business as usual for you guys. Yes. All right. Well, for tonight, uh, we are going to be talking about... 13 Goats. This is the 2001 remake from the uh, 1960 original. Um, this film was a, at the time, it was considered a, a big budget horror movie. It had a lot of heavy hitters. Basically, the uh, production uh, team behind, um, was it, I want, it's not Creep Show. It was, um, Tales from the Crypt. Um, so this had Joel Silver, Robert Zemeckis. Um, they came together uh, after that when they were on HBO for, I think, about 10 years. Um, they put together Dark Castle uh, Entertainment, which uh, was distributed by Warner Brothers. And um, they had a very happy and uh, productive relationship. They put out a number of uh, quality films that were all, uh, they basically consider financially successful. Um, 
this was definitely one of them. In fact, uh, 13 Ghosts, the 2001 version, is uh, constantly being aired during the holiday season. Um, if anyone's interested, uh, Scream Factory uh, recently came out with a uh, new edition of 13 Ghosts, including uh, brand new interviews with the producers, the actors behind some of the ghosts, as well as uh, Shannon Elizabeth. Um, so it's an enlightening feature. Um, you get to learn more about the production. Uh, you get to see from the existing uh, special features, um, all the makeup that went behind in it. And um, I think uh, from the movie standpoint, um, the part that um, really, I think it captivated me and obviously audiences because um, you know, people are still talking about it now, is the house that um, they built for the film in itself. It, it, I think it is the main character. Um, and as difficult as that house looks like to navigate, um, if you ever watched behind the scenes for uh, 13 Ghosts, it was that difficult to, uh, to shoot in. And um, if anyone has any experience behind a camera, um, when you're shooting like with a mirror, you're constantly getting back images, um, little things that will show up on the screen that makes it look amateurish. Um, they had to go through all sorts of um, different angles to make sure that they weren't appearing in the uh, in the film. So um, I'm happy that they went above and beyond to try to make a film this difficult. Uh, I have no problem with you know some of the shortcomings of 13 Ghosts. A lot of people criticize the story, the script, the acting. Um, I thought everything played out well. I mean, this was from 2001. Um, I think at that point, you know, a lot of horror was kind of campy. Um, you know, a lot of money was being thrown at movies like this. Um, but you can tell this movie had a lot of uh, thought and real effort for the production value. I mean, Greg Nicotero was part of this movie. Uh, he's in the credits, although you might not, he, he's not as prominent in this film as, as maybe some of the others. Uh, obviously, The Walking Dead, he's, he has a stamp on it. Um, but there is some serious production value that I think will keep this movie, you know, um, in people's uh, in people's minds when they're looking for some good scary movies to watch. Well, I always liked this one from uh, way back when. Of course, uh, that was back when I think the... Uh, the maid in it was the uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, so it had a great pedigree to start with. Oh, yes, yes, it did. What do you think about it, Joe? Was this one of your favorite movies uh, in the 2000s? Uh, in the 2000s, wow. That, that, that's <laughs> so long ago. It, uh, it was yeah, 20 so years long. ago. So, I know. I was just thinking about that because... Uh, I was watching a video, which I will digress later. Uh, but yeah, this film was entertaining. You know, it was definitely better than some of the other films that had come out that year that were kind of like horror. But, you know, uh, I actually did enjoy the acting of Tony Shalhoub, uh, who went and later became Monk. And, uh, Shannon Elizabeth from had a very American strong Pie. cast, yeah. Yeah, F. Murray Abraham from Amadeus. Uh, ML, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, but the gal who's his F. Murray Abraham's assistant, who's, I believe, in the Army of Darkness, mm -hmm. the Evil Dead film. Yeah. And awesome. so, 
good. Go ahead, now. I was going to say, you know, uh, I ran into Matthew Lillard. I think it was at uh, uh, Horror Hound just before the uh, COVID broke out. And uh, I didn't actually get to, to chat with him, but he seemed like a really cool guy. They were shutting down the convention. It's the end of the day, Sunday. And he's got a line you know, out the door. And he makes the point of going down the line, telling everyone they're going to get their autographs. He's going to stay and wait for every one of them. And I thought that was so cool because he's probably got some place to go. And he's probably tired like all of us. Right. And he made a point yeah. of making the room for the fans. You got to like that. That's, guy. That's great. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because, yeah, there are some celebs who will do that. You know, hey, yo, I'm not leaving until everyone at least, you know, gets their autograph, you know. And the thing to me for oh. this film, the visuals were really good in this. And visuals are strong, yes. And, uh, you, you know, and everyone's most famous moment they're going to talk about about this film is when the attorney gets sliced in half. Ah. Oh. And his face and is still kind of twitching as he goes down. Yes. I don't know if how many yeah. people noticed that, but it wasn't just like this prosthetic that you know, his face was moving. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that was gnarly. Uh, of course, I, I'm a I'm a big Stargate fan, so I'm used to seeing him being you know, the Toke Rock. So that was a surprise. You know, I, I'm always surprised that uh, Shauna Lawyer, who played the Angry Princess, I always found her character to be a little bit of a distraction from an otherwise solid movie. Um, well, I'm, I'm torn on that. Yeah, yeah, distracted. pretty much. Which makes it uncomfortable if I'm sitting there watching it with my mom. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're just going to hurry up and get through this thing here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's probably fast-forwarding it to say, uh, no, mom, don't look. There's boobies. And, uh, yeah, I'm 40. But <laughs> when, I, when I watch this, um, I'm watching how she moves and the wrinkles in her skin. And I'm not entirely sure she wasn't wearing a bodysuit. Well, it took right. her 25 hours, I think, total. For, yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking that they, they actually slipped her into a full bodysuit. That's how they got away with the new I wouldn't be surprised, because all the other ghosts were in full bodysuits. I mean, from, I guess, from the knees up to the neck, and then everything from the neck was custom for that day. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, they all had multiple full body suits. I mean, even then they, they would touch it up. So they put them in a suit. Um, yeah, they would add uh, more or you know moisture, more. They call it juice it up. Um, then they added more blood and sweat and everything. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised either too. Um, I found her character. It, it was. It didn't fit with the other ghosts. Um, I think they probably could have done a little something a little different. Um, but, you know, it was a different era than 20-something years ago. They're probably going for a little bit of a, a shock factor, you know, um, trying right. to, you know, get the, the young guys in the theater or whatever or stir up yes. something, you know. Um, but otherwise, um, I, I, I really enjoyed almost all parts of this. You know, I know that the, the script was, uh, it was okay. You know, the, the lines yeah. were okay. Um, but I think if you look at the movie as a whole, I mean, it was just fun to watch. And I agree, you know, and as I was going to say, to me, uh, this was probably one of my favorite Shannon Elizabeth films, besides (laughs) the remake of Night of the Demons, 
you know, if you take away American Pie, you know, horror-wise, she was in this film and the remake of Night of the Demons, you know, which was, you know, definitely a different take compared, similar to both, you know, original movies. But, yeah, it, it is like, hey, yo, and the ghost, yes, in some ways, yeah, I would have liked a little more background on our ghost, you know, that we got a little snippet of. Yeah, because you but, almost know nothing about him. Right, um, nothing. And very, except very this little. Is, yeah, this is like the hammer, the jackal, the angry princess. And that's um, all you get. Yeah, that's all you get, you know. But, I mean, the only yeah, one they really expanded on was uh, Tony Shalhoub's wife. Um, That's right. And, you know, for obvious, obvious reasons, she's part of the family, which is central to the movie. Um, but I would have liked maybe, um, you know, just kind of uh, uh, thinking out loud, instead of the large-scale violent opening scene, which I think was good. It was good. Um, it really it, it established, um, you know, the big guy. Um, I, I would have liked to see uh, the mother. I would have liked to see them capture the mommy. You don't know who she is until the end. Right. And then they did, you know, then they filmmakers, uh, you know, reveal the connection between the family and the woman you saw in the, uh, the opening scene. That would have been a nice twist um, because right. after the opening sequence, I know establishes Matthew Lillard and establishes 13 ghosts. I mean, it pretty much set the table in that opening scene. Um, I could have gone with a, a little bit more mystery and more revealed during the rest of the movie, especially because we're in this house. And um, even then, you know, they, they say it's, it's not a house. It's a, uh, it's a machine. Right. Um, yeah. I would have liked to know how did these ghosts get into there? You know um, what were they before? Or maybe that, you know, that we're losing focus. Maybe I know the focus is on the family and the, on the father. Um, but also, you can tell that they were putting emphasis on the connection between the mother. You know, the family was torn apart. And you saw how their life was before she died and after. And it had that nice, you know, when they do the pan, uh, they also, um, M. Night Shyamalan did this in Signs at the end where it starts, um, you know, the current day. And, you know, you have that time lapse and then you see how the house looks, you know, um, afterwards, you know, the family's yeah. healed and... Um, Mel Gibson is, um, you know, um, back to, uh, you know, um, I think he was a pastor or a reverend. Um, he's back to doing what he, he, he enjoyed doing. Um, the opposite happens here, you know, and we're taking a full house and then time lapse and it's broken and they're, you're squabbling over money. Um, so, you know, I'll take the movie as it is. It, it's enjoyable. Um, yes. I think they could have probably done a few things different. Um, but then again, uh, it was still, you know, financially successful. It's still playing in, you know, Halloween. So they did something right. Yeah. You know, I have a fleeting uh, memory that someone wanted to do a sequel about it where we get to discover how each one of the ghosts came into being. And I don't know, I don't, I can't remember anything more than someone said something about it, whether or not that was just idle talk or did someone else try? 
Right. And that that's the thing, you know, because usually, you know, of course, I, I, I'm not, you know, again, let's go. Like, I'm just going to do a little snippet of the 1960 film. The 1960 film was a little less, you know, harmless. It had, you know, some, you know, like a quick couple scary moments, but it wasn't, you know, from that time to the 2001 version, effects and the color and the whole nine yards came in and there's like, whoa, look at what we can do now compared to what we did back in the 60s, you know? Well, certainly so, the current ones uh, yeah. really hit the special effects hard. And you have to admit, the special effects in the movie are done very well. They look great. They may not all be a, special. Yeah, Go ahead. I totally agree that the effects in the 2001 version look fantastic. You know? I think on a, um, if you're watching this on a, uh, a 4K television, though, um, the one that uh, with a, a Blu-ray player that's upscaling... Um, now this is not enough. I think the film is great. It was good enough that I wanted to bring you guys on and do a retrospective about it. Um, but as I was watching it today, um, you start to see some of the rubber on the uh, the costumes. <laughs> yeah. Some of you know it started in the movie. It kind of looked like a full body suit. Um, and um, as you mentioned now with um, with the female, I can't tell you know if that was her or not. Um, I mean. They don't really show the ghost for too long, maybe one, two, three seconds max. So yeah. they make it away and, and, and um and I think really the the only real characters in which you know the, the camera stays on. Um I remember the boy, um, the jackal and um um the hammer. The hammer, right? All the others those quick cuts. Um, yeah, withering yeah, the the mom, uh, yeah, the mom, like, yeah. uh, the first boy, the firstborn son, right? Because I was looking up the international movie database, and I was like trying to remember, because it's been a while since I've seen Thirteen Ghosts, and I was like trying to remember, okay, who's who's what the ghost names again, you know? And it's like, oh, thanks, you know, and. Yeah, and here's a funny thing. I was looking up a little bit of, like, the trivia. Someone had thought that the Angry Princess was a played by a porn star. But unfortunately, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it was not that person. They made a erotic movie, which I am not saying, telling anyone to go watch. Uh but they just retitled it something else, and it's like the same story, but but there. Like a bow chicka wow wow in it, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it just like you know, and then of course uh, I was reading how uh, they just recently did a brand new updated DVD oh. Blu-ray version of it where it was talking about F. Murray Abraham doing narrations and talking about the ghosts and stuff like that, which you were just talking about earlier, Anthony. 
So, yeah, you know, again, the movie was good. And it's also kind of like, you know, like as we we're talking about Dark Castle, they also went on and did the remake, I believe, of the William Castle's House on the Haunted Hill. Just the, you know, say, hey, we want to keep, you know, these remakes, you know. And that was another remake that I think they did rather well. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I like, if you ever bring up um, Dark Castle Entertainment's um, uh, slate of movies they did, you start reading it like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, they did that one too. Um, yeah, they did 13 Ghosts, Ghost Ship. Gothica, House of Wax, The no Reaping. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think my favorite was House on Haunted Hill, the 1999 yeah. version um, yes. with Jeffrey Rush. And they do mention that in the uh, in the 13 Ghost special features. That was the one that I enjoyed because uh, I think uh, Tay Diggs uh, was really good. Um, that was basically, you know, um, primetime Tay Diggs. Um, yes. But yeah, it's too bad that um, Dark Castle... Um, you know, they had a really strong run in 2000s, um, but they kind of, it started fading uh, in 2012. Um, they came out with yeah. the number ones. I think Apparition was the last yes. horror movie they did. And um, they kind of just uh, uh, started sliding. Yeah, but they, they were they were around before Blumhouse. They, they, were, uh, they were putting out the good stuff. Um, but yeah, Bloodhouse was just completely taken over. Probably around that time, um, 2012, 2013, I want to say, um, they they started really getting their footing. Um, but yeah, Dark Castle stuff is uh, is really good. Um, and and if you're if you liked Thirteen Ghosts, you're probably gonna like Ghost Ship because uh, after Thirteen Ghosts, Steve Beck went and did that one, um, which I thought was it's another. One of those movies where, yes, there are some parts that you know, could have used a little bit more time and attention, but um, when you look at the film as a whole, um, it was, I thought it was um, maybe not as good as 13 Ghosts, but definitely a good watch. Like you, when you finish it, you're like, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. Yeah, and then you're moving on. It won't be one of those barn burners, but it was, it, it was definitely, it had, it had some gory scenes. Um, the story was good enough for you to, to follow. Um, without being bored or um, looking at your watch. Um, another one that, you know, another financially successful uh, film for Dark Castle, and they just kept going. Yep. And that, yep. it was also the movie that starred Juliana Margulies, who yes. was on the hit show ER. And she left ER just to do Ghost Ship. You know. Yes. It also had the uh, the lovely young... Eastern European lady in it playing the little girl the whole time. Uh, yeah. His name escapes me, but uh, well, I liked it for very... Gabriel Byrne. Um, he has such a presence. And if anyone's seen with the Arnold Schwarzenegger game movie, what was it called when he uh, played the devil? Oh yes. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yes, that was probably at the tail end of Arnold's uh, uh, peak um, popularity. But um, Gabriel Byrne, uh, he definitely has that screen presence like Christopher Walken uh, used yes. to have. You know, when he's on camera, he's like, yeah, he has that gravitas, like, my lines mean something. <laughs> yes, listen to me. I know. Uh, but, yeah, to get back to, you know, 13 Ghosts. Yeah, yeah let's I, get back to I, that. I, 
Uh, I do, I do, man. You know, I was like thinking, oh yeah, it's had, you know, as we're saying, it's such a strong cast. And then I was thinking, oh, the poor little kid. He was never heard from again. You know, they played the son, you know, but that was just a bad joke. Well, that did hurt uh, me. Yeah, the, the, the children just and just disappeared for what, yeah. half the movie. They're just gone. No explanation. Yeah. We're looking for the kids and um, we're just. That's what kids do. <laughs> like, yeah, how do you, really, how do you, how do you, they kept mentioning, how do you lose your kids in, in, in a house full of, uh, full of glass? Yes. And they just yeah. kind of look at each other. I guess, uh, you know, that's a tough, uh, tough question to answer. You're supposed yeah, to be. Totally. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't that much writing on the wall, was there? And you could right. kind of look through the cracks and, okay, there they are. Uh, anyways, oh, hey. that's probably, it was one of the shortcomings of the movie, which you kind of just, it, it hangs around in your mind for a little bit. Like, yeah, what did happen to the kids? And they show up right, at the very because, end. Because who captured them? Well, we don't know who captured them, right? Maybe it was right. F. Murray Abraham. Maybe it was his, uh, was it his? Assistant. His, yeah, his assistant. We don't know. Um, could have used a little bit more narrative there. Um, but you can tell the, the focus was on, um, you know, Tony Shalhoub. It was on the ghosts. It was on Matthew Lillard. And they just didn't seem like they had yeah. bandwidth Tony, to uh, you know. put anyone else. Well, there were actually uh, right. parallels between Tony Shalhoub's uh, performance in this and his monk performance, because both of the main characters in that suffered this loss of the significant other, which crippled their lives. Uh, and I'm going to show my age a little bit here, touching back on Ghost Ship, in that the, the 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship do share that little bit of, uh, much more in Ghost Ship on how I've done something wrong and it's going to catch up and, and get me. That uh, the supernatural yeah. is yeah. now going to even this out. And Ghost Ship has that stinger ending, which was very prevalent in things in the early 70s, which yeah. I I grew up with in my formative years, and I really liked. And so you don't see that a lot today. And so, of course, I, I enjoyed that very much. In fact, I think that Ghost Ship is a superior movie to 13 Ghosts. Not that 13 Ghosts is bad anyway. I think it's a great, great flick. So, uh, although, you know, 13 Ghosts doesn't have you naked women running around in it, uh, now, with gashes in them, but... I don't know if anyone notices, but uh, if we're you know, going to touch on Ghost Ship a little bit, there's a connection. Steve Beck directed uh, yes. 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship, and it was his, yeah. his next movie, as well as Joel Silver and Robert Zemeckis and Gilbert Adler, right? They went from one yeah. to the other, so it was natural that we can talk about that also. Um, I think Ghost Ship borrowed and... This is very hard not to do, but it borrowed from from Alien, and you have a yes. crew that's you know checking on a derelict ship, right? And the minute they get on, all sorts of shit happens, right? It's yeah. it's natural because you know that's a good way to build tension and put a crew otherwise had other plans into a situation in which they're they're thoroughly outmatched. Um, but it, it felt a little too obvious when I'm watching it the first time. This is kind of like an Alien setup. Right. Um, and there was another movie you guys are probably familiar with, Event Horizon. Right. Oh, yeah. Also had that that same feeling of a crew, you know, visiting another ship in which they're completely, uh, uh, you know, out of their depth. Um, 
Well, other than that, though, I I, I agree with you, Al. Um, I think Ghost Ship, many aspects. Maybe they learned from their mistakes in 13 Ghosts, even though it was, um, you know, financially successful. Um, it does hold a 16% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Um, it's been on the most hated list, right? Um, so maybe they took some of that uh, uh, criticism and, um, you know, found areas to improve. Well, remember, the people you're talking about aren't the writers. And it's the writers that came up with the storyline and the right. script. Right. So, and that's where I see the similarities. Uh, how they, they filmed it, yeah, there's some similarities. But I got to tell you, when I was watching them, uh, that isn't what jumped out to me. Uh, in fact, uh, like I said, I love these early 70s movies with the Stinger ending and so forth. And uh, they had a lot of these sort of things that you saw in the movie of the week back then. That's right. And uh, I enjoyed, I grew up with a lot of those, enjoyed them ever so much. So, uh, like I said, that's that's why I like the, the Ghost Ship movie. Although 13 Ghosts, like I said, still a very solid movie in and of itself. So, I wouldn't actually look at the two and say, yes, I shouldn't say it that way. Uh, I, I don't look at uh, two movies and go, yes, that's obviously the same production company, unless it's really, really obvious. Because when I go see a movie, I'm there to enjoy it. I'm not, I'm, right. I try really right. hard to right. critique it while I'm watching it. Especially if I spend $15 on a ticket, $9 on popcorn, $7 on, on hey, soda. Hey, I'm going to enjoy the crap out of it. <laughs> I'm going to no. cat call uh, the lady. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, but yeah, I do, you know, again, uh, with Al, you know, there are some movies that you sit there and you're like, yeah, the premise is kind of sort of like the same, except for one sat on a boat, the other's at a house, uh, one's out in space. Hey, what what can we do next? Maybe that's also that was their focus, uh, Dark Castle. Yeah. Um, they wanted a single location, so and it does have uh, different writers. Um, that's not to say that you know um, if you ever. Um, had a script that you were shopping around and you wanted to send it to someone, um, this is one of the things that you would look for. You'd say, you know, my script is um, one or two locations. It's primarily this location. It's horror. It's 90 minutes. It's this many characters. I'm going to find a production company that is looking for single location, 90 minute horror movies, right? So I'm I'm not surprised that, you know, they came and said, this is what we're looking for. And this is how their films work. So although it had different writers, that's probably, those are the scripts that they were looking for. Um, so I think those similarities um, were obvious. That's what they specialized in was the uh, the single locations. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, this is the, we agree with Al podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the ending I thought for Ghost Ship was uh, superior to 13 Ghosts. And, and um, yeah. in fact, I, now that we're talking about, I'm probably gonna rewatch it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a great movie. I've always loved the movies where, uh, like I said, the, you've done something bad, and even if you would get away, you don't really get away. I mean, I'm, I'm a, an old Lovecraft fan, and that's how it usually starts. For those of you that haven't read Lovecraft, shame on you. But it usually starts with you get a letter that your friend uh, sent you, and they're already dead, and it's already too late for you because you got the letter now. And everyone dies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the mask of the room. I love that premise. And you're completely helpless. I have to go see it. I have to go. Yeah. Right? 
Mm, I gotta house. go see my friend. <laughs> no. No. But, but uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was gonna say this. Uh, I'll bring up uh, a 1970s movie that Uh-oh. Al will probably agree with me. Uh-oh. Uh, the ending with. Uh, uh, Anthony, I know you probably have not seen this movie, but I want you, you to it? check it out. What do you got? It's called The Devil's Reign. I've oh, heard of that. Gosh. Yeah. In fact, I watched that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we I, we spoke about that in a, a previous show. That was good. Yeah. I had, um, yeah what's his name? Uh, played, uh, yeah. Ernest Borgnine. Yes. William Shatner. Ida Lupino. Yeah, I watched it. It, yeah. it was a little slow for me. Um, but yeah, I made it through. <laughs> you survived. It, it was good. I, I, I was so not used to seeing William Shatner in not in a start not in a Starfleet uniform. So uh, watching him would look like kind of like a almost like a, a Western movie. It had like yes, strong oh, Western yeah. vibes. You know, I'm um, like, dang, I have to unlearn William Shatner because this is what he was before. <laughs> yeah, no, th- it was he good. I enjoyed in, it. Uh, yeah, he should see him in Impulse. Where it starts out with him at a at a nightclub. It's so seventies. He's um, like wearing a velvet suit and that the Freddie from uh, uh, from uh, Scooby Doo cravat thing around his neck, being a, a pimp daddy, basically smack oh. daddy. Oh, love it's, it. It's, yes, and you see, he was loving it. He's going, yeah, this is the role I was meant to play, baby. Even better than the actor. That's right. Well, we can put a it's gun. Uh, we, oh, go ahead, guys. I just said it was good to be the king. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we can put a bow on uh, 13 Ghosts. I think we covered it well. Um, if you are interested in the film, this is the 2001 version that was directed by Stephen Beck, uh, written by Neil Marshall Stevens and Richard DiOvido. I probably mispronounced that. Um, Screen Factory. Um, last, I want to say May of 2020, released an excellent uh, uh, version of this, including uh, new commentary, as well as uh, I think they also tweaked the um, the uh, film itself because it's looking really, really good. Um, and despite me mentioning that you can see start to see some of the rubber, um, this was uh, a top-notch uh, production that um, I really haven't seen since 13 Ghosts. I haven't seen this kind of uh, uh, design uh, and I think that just uh, it was remarkable what they captured then so um, check it out uh, 13 ghosts uh, and if you're also interested you can watch the 1960 uh, version so um, two good movies and um, yeah can I throw out I one more thing absolutely you know we talk about seeing the rubber and the, the what I, I want to point out to people was while this movie had a $50 million budget, I think it was, this was still a lot of work for $50 million. It was. It was. Yes. And and they were being very daring trying to do this much. And I'd much rather see a movie where the producer and director have tried to reach a little bit further than possibly they should. They could have played it safer, but they wouldn't have gotten nearly the effect on everybody else. So you got 13 ghosts and on one or two of them, you see a little bit of rubber. That was a lot of work to do. It was. So, it know, kudos was. and hats yeah. off to these guys for working so hard to make this really uh, difficult uh, production come to yeah, life. Absolutely. 
I, I, I definitely uh, I want to give kudos to the uh, makeup time. Um, and um, if you watch the uh, behind the scenes closely, what they're they're uh, working on the uh, the juggernaut. He's a really tall guy, but um, when they were they also show not only putting on the makeup, but taking it off. Most uh, I'd say most um, behind the scenes, it's usually them putting on the makeup and then they stand and they look great and you see them on on set. Um, I don't get to see too many um, replays of them removing the makeup. And um, from personal experience, uh, putting uh, someone who was six foot six in all black latex, um, you know, the, it, it was easy putting it on and it was difficult taking it off. Um, so watching them um, actually having to remove uh, the makeup from him uh, was like, oh my God, it was like reliving, you know, your own personal nightmare. Um, and uh, his skin, especially around his ears, was just blood red. And you're thinking, oh God, you know. Um, so as long as the makeup took, the actors were in that the whole time. And it's not comfortable. And they had no. a, um, a close-up shot of um i think it was the um i think it was the dire not the dire mother it was the um uh the, the bound woman i believe oh I yeah believe the bound woman um she had nice. um uh contacts and you know the the real pasty white ones um and wow, it was a real i wear contacts and i know how thin you know they're you know normally are and there's of course you know they're thicker ones these ones were the thickest ones i've ever seen and uh, her eye, they had all the close up, her eye didn't want to take it. <laughs> and they had this um, um, contact lens, they call it a contact lens technician. And um, oh my God. You know, when you, you need to tell the eye, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Oh, that must have been uncomfortable because this huge thing you're putting in your eye, it, it didn't look comfortable yeah, at all. Yeah, just stand so. still. It, it won't hurt much. Yeah. So um, I, I'd say, you know, huge kudos to all of the uh, the actors and actresses who had to sit through that makeup. Cause I don't think that gets talked enough. You know, you're talking about the makeup bars and the job they did, but you know, some of these actors, oh, they go through whew, a whole hell of a lot. You know, there was a, uh, a YouTube channel uh, I watched for a while of, of uh, different drag queens coming on and, and showing how they put on their makeup and achieve their look. And those people were a lot of makeup. A lot, a lot, a lot of makeup. And I, I commented to one of them, you want to show people something really stunning? Show them how you take this stuff off without destroying your flesh. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, like I said, you're, you're putting on a lot of makeup and it can't be good for your skin. Uh, and uh, these people do this very regularly. Therefore, they must have some process and product that they use so it does not eat their flesh. And I'm sure the people in Hollywood uh, have very specific rules on what gets put where and, and how they take it all off. Even some of the actors probably have uh, specific products they want used because they may be sensitive otherwise. Yeah, I can totally see right. that. Yeah, I, uh, oh. I'll tell you a little quick little story. I, I was just chatting with one of my doctor friends who was telling me how uh, his wife gave him some what he believed to be skin lotion uh, to put on his face after he shaved. And he had an unpleasant reaction to it. And it turns out it's a, a breast firming and a, 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 a stretch mark removing cream. Um, so he doesn't use that anymore. Uh -oh. no. Very cautious about any cream she hands him now. So <laughs> you gotta be very specific about what you put and where. 
So uh, that's right. I guess you want him to have a very soft face. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's it for us. Um, no, not <laughs> we'll just end it on that note. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go, doctor. Um, but yeah, um, that's Braid Film Fest. We have a number of uh, filmmakers lined up. Um, I want to do more classic horror. Um, you guys need to give me some more classic horror so we can go back. Oh, I'm going to give you a list, Give me, give me a list. I need those lists. I'm going to. Send me those lists. Oh. Otherwise, we're going to be in the 2000s and the 90s forever. <laughs> no, uh, by the way, this one, one of them is a movie that's really hard to find. So it's actually a TV movie. Uh oh, which one? I don't know what? You probably do, Al. It's it from 1985. Oh. It's called The Midnight Hour. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. I don't know if I've yeah. seen it. I, I think because I've seen it. When I talk of the. It was an ABC. It was an ABC movie for Halloween. Ah. Uh, yeah, when I uh, talk about the uh, uh, made for TV movies, I'm talking early 70s. Yes, I know what you're talking about. For those that don't really understand, back in the early 70s, the cable was trying to come in and they were saying, uh, yes, don't don't watch TV at home. Come to the theater and get the theater experience. And TV was going, no, no, we have the movie of the week that you don't have to pay for to watch. Yeah. Midnight Hour. Did that yeah. star uh, Harry, Belaf- Harry Belafonte's uh, daughter? Daughter? daughter. Yeah. Yes. And LeVar Burton. Yes, and yeah, also, actually, I used uh, that show once. D. Viper. It's also got uh, 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 Dom DeLuise's son in it. And yeah, Peter. Interestingly, the young lady who played the hottie in Caddyshack. And I say interestingly because um, she Cindy gave a match because she's blind. Ouch. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so we, in well, we can go ahead and pencil in the midnight hour for the next show. Yeah, when you see her making that dive off the, the, the diving board in Caddyshack, she's completely blind. She can't see anything. And I, I, that's a pretty brave thing to do. So, yes. kudos. There we go. Yeah. We got it. So, Midnight we'll Hour. Midnight that's going to be our next one. 1985 ABC original. Yes. Yeah. We're going to cover it. I think All it's right. on YouTube somewhere. It is. Yeah, yes. You can, I think you have to you pay to rent it, but it's, it's on there. Yeah, it's okay. on YouTube. You just got to find, you know, an uh, actual site that has the full movie. Because there are some with clips and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube. You just have to uh, pay to rent it. Yeah. Uh, but before yeah, we go... I always, uh, oh, go ahead, yeah. Joe. I was always thought, because it's like, you know, it's named after the song In the Midnight Hour. I was like mm-hmm. always thinking... Yeah, it's called In the Midnight Hour, but it's just now the midnight hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we went, I wanted to give Al a little bit of platform. What do you got uh, showing this week, Al, on Creature this Features? Week. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, because this week <laughs> we have a major TV movie. <laughs> uh, yes. And, you know, the fun thing with the made for TV movies was they had the back lot of the studio and whoever was on contract not doing something, they would throw out a couple of real actors, some new actors, and an up-and-coming producer, director, whatever, and then they'd make a movie. And this week's movie on my show coming out tomorrow, uh, well, Saturday uh, the 20th, will be Death Car on the Freeway. Obviously, they weren't spending the money on titles. <laughs> That's right. 
but it's a, it's uh, it's got <laughs> Peter Graves in it and all sorts of other famous people. Nice. Yes, I and, think uh, she- Shelley Hack. Yes, I think it's her. I think she was the one yes. lady who uh, it's her very first uh, movie she ever did. So uh, that should be good. Yeah, so should a nice fun. fun piece. I have more fun watching your intro, Al, than anything else. <laughs> well, you know, as long as you watch me, that's all I care about. <laughs> Joe, you got anything going on? Oh, not much. Uh, my show is going. Uh, they're repeating because I haven't been to create in a while, but I should go down and give them some new shows. Uh, but, you know... Just doing the show, loving the podcast, and you know, having, having fun. Absolutely. So, can't wait for you know next week, and maybe uh, we miss our dear big guy Kevin. Yes. Who's yes. Yep, I didn't mention Kevin, it. Um, Kevin is still, um, you know, he, he's still recovering from uh, COVID nineteen. We're giving him all the time that he needs. He'll be on when he can, but he's also really busy. Um, with writing gigs and he has a, uh, a deadline on Saturday of course um, but he's very much involved in in bringing on the guests and um, you know uh, anytime he gives us is uh, is very much appreciated um, but yeah keep it tuned here because we have episodes lined up and uh, you're going to be hearing more about the uh, live screening event uh, coming up April 8th in fact um, this Saturday uh, submissions will uh, be open uh, if not they are already and uh, we want to see all your films. Uh, doesn't matter when they were made. Uh, they could have long festival runs. They're, they're already on YouTube or maybe you just sat on it because you didn't pick anything. Go ahead and send it to us. Um, and um, I think the part of it is, is uh, keep an open mind. And um, if you want to come on and talk about it, um, yeah, we want to talk to you. So, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be exciting. I can't wait to uh, hop on and just watch some movies with you guys. Yeah, that's right. It'll be fun. All right. Well, that's our time. Uh, thank you for tuning in. For myself, Anthony DeRowan, Al Omega, and Joe Flynn, wishing you a good night. Good night. All right. Good night, guys. Be good. No, will do.